Sam, I'm going to have to kill you in your sleep. You took my Twinkie. And it was the last one that I had on me. And I am, I'm very upset regarding that. And it, it's going to take a lot to forgive you for that transgression. Well, I had to take your Twinkie because I recently went to a store to buy one. And there was a line for it, man. The line was longer than you think. Have you ever oh. been to the inside of a Walmart? There's eternity in there. I was Unfortunately, gonna ask. I have been. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> your Twinkies from like Costco. You get the big box, less wine. Yeah, sure. buy it in bulk. I mean, that's one way to get around it. I, I mean, well, now, now I just feel bad because I mean, if we just had this conversation, I feel like we could have avoided all of this. Also, understandable. It is depressing being in a Walmart. I don't know what it is. It's like the atmosphere. It's like the walls, the floors. It's like all sterile, like a like a like a dentist office or something like that. It's not yep. fun to be in. I never look forward to it and I only have to go unless I have to. And I like to keep it that way. Also, hey everybody, thanks for tuning into the Inciting Moment podcast. My name is Ian, your average uh Walmart avoider. Who else here is with me? Hi, I'm Sam, and I already did the bit about eternity, but something, something horrors beyond human imagination. Yes, indeed. And I'm, <laughs> I'm Harrison, and we're going to explain how I lost my medical license. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we unfortunately it took us a long time to get to this uh, next episode because we were too busy teleporting bread. Yeah, it's really yeah. important. <sighs> yeah. Uh, Ian, Indeed. what did you want me to do with all the teleported bread? Well, I mean, banana bread doesn't sound bad. I haven't had that in a long time. Oh, uh, I wasn't uh, teleporting banana bread. We weren't teleporting well, bananas. <laughs> Just well, bread. Well, well, I'm only assuming that you could take that bread and then use that to then make... Oh, wait, I think I'm skipping a whole step here. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually skipping a whole step. What am I talking about? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about anymore. I think you need some Emesis Blue to help you, but we'll get to that later. Uh, well, well, right, right, right. I, I mean, I maybe I could. I, I'm kind of low on it myself. Dosage has been kind of cut back. and <clears throat> Catch that itch, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I for some reason thought that I could take already existing bread and, and take some bananas and make that, but I realized that... um. That's not yeah, cooking, that's alchemy. Yeah, yeah. I'm sitting here like, oh, wait, hang on a sec. I, I think I'm missing some steps here. I don't think that's how banana bread works. I think you have to start at the uh, the yeast phase. I think so, anyway. Yeah, it's been a hot minute do. since I've actually... Yeah, yeah. You have to start all the way in production. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of starting all the way in production, um, that's what... In a perfect world, writers could be doing, but um, I figured today would be a decent enough time to uh, address current situations regarding a particular strike involving the Writers Guild of America, and how... I mean, let's just, just, just flat out say it, like, can, can you just please pay your writers? <laughs> Well, not just that. Can you also pay the actors? Because that's why uh, uh, SAG is also on strike. Yes, that's true. That's true, because that's also becoming a concern. And actually has been a bit of a concern. I, I mean, both of these two things 
let's 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 be fair. This has kind of been a ongoing concern for a while. The issue is that ever since uh, the coronavirus pandemic, um, things have been very much skewing towards streaming. I mean, that's pretty expected now. Uh, most of people's media consumption now has been through streaming services. Now, the problem with that is that, and, and one of the big things that has led to the Writers Guild going on strike in the first place is that uh, there had been a pre-existing uh, minimum wage, essentially, agreement with studios where, whether it be through film or through broadcast, there is a minimum amount that writers are compensated for. Now, when streaming started exploding, and of course every studio under the sun launched their own streaming service, things got a little screwy. Because they were arguing, oh, well, actually, actually, the thing with films is that they're theatrically released within actual cinemas or theaters, as us uh, Yankee Doodle Americans refer to them. And yeah. the thing about broadcast is that is on live, you know, broadcast channels that people back then, most people paid a monthly service for when it came to cable or whatever satellite distributor uh, they went through. They argue streaming is completely different because it's directly going to people's different devices and stuff like that. And apparently that in of itself warrants uh, writers not exactly being paid as much. Because what, what, what happens is that instead of having there being a minimum amount, now writers, for every individual project they do because it doesn't fall under the minimum wage agreement, they have to negotiate each and every one of their salaries if it has to do with a project that is streaming exclusive. Mm -hmm. And as you can probably guess, oftentimes studios really, 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 really want to cut back on how much they're actually paying these people. And oftentimes, what happens is these writers get paid significantly less than writers that were on for films and broadcast for the exact same amount of work. That means multiple drafts, multiple rewrites, multiple touch-ups, and things like that. And on top of that, residuals yes. have been greatly decreased compared to like a decade ago, which is baffling considering that this is going to be the, the, the reoccurring theme. Writers are like the forefront of what starts a project and builds its backbone. Because films are made three different times. Once in the writing phase, once when you actually make the film, and then a third and final time in post-production. However, the initial skeleton, the, the test bed of the project starts with the script. If the script is not at the forefront, good. It, I mean, how else can you really say it? The the, the film, the show, whatever, it's going to be shit unless well, yeah. it has something else about its production that like is is like a facelift for it. You know. I'm, speaking of uh, something else about its production, uh, that leads to why the actors are also striking because they 
had the genius idea of pitching to actors this concept of recording them digitally for a day and then using them to CGI them into films for the rest of time and not pay yeah. them. In fact, actually, I, I think that's a, a uh, good thing to bring up. Both for writers and actors, AI is also becoming a concern because studios have been suggesting using AI as a tool uh, to potentially replace writers, which is something that they are trying to fight against. And while, you know, people are saying, oh, well, it could be a good tool for, like, assisting in writing, they would be correct. And even the Writers Guild have admitted that, like, look, AI can be great, downright a lifesaver in the writing room, and can simplify the process of, of everything that goes into that, but what they are completely against is the idea of AI replacing them. Basically, writing entire scripts from an algorithm. Which, you can make a claim that some things lately felt like they had been written by an algorithm, but at the same time, you also need to remember most of these movies are like big budget like studio movies or shows where producers are constantly sticking their fingers into the project and like meddling with it. So, I, I mean, there's there's that joke, especially for like um, nostalgia bait movies, which are basically most movies coming out now, where uh, people claim, oh yeah, the, the the studio basically has a thing called studio mandated uh, meta or references or stuff like that, you know, and there is something to be said about that. However. Most people can't say, like, end-all, be-all, oh yeah, that's all the writers. You know? And I've been seeing some really interesting hot takes about how uh, some people are claiming that, oh, well, maybe the writers wouldn't be in the position they're in if they didn't write such terrible content. Mm -hmm. In regards to, like, recent shows or recent movies and stuff like that. To which, again, I'm saying... Well, what content are you watching? Are you just talking Netflix? Because, well, that's an easy target. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, what... You you can't just have a blanket, you know, criticism across the board of, oh, well, you know, a bunch of writers sucked at all the stuff that gets on Netflix and whatnot, so I don't care about any of the writers on strike. That, that that's, that's not fair. <laughs> And claiming that they need to get quote-unquote real jobs and stuff like that? I mean, these people write, like, probably a lot of the stuff that people actually enjoy. And to say that it's all stupid just because they write some stupid things, how is that fair? Yeah, no, I I get that for sure. Hey, and it, and it, hell, it's, it's, it's pretty fucking concerning when you really think about it, because, yeah, I mean, just... Look how impressive AI is now when it's just essentially the beginning. Yeah, the yeah. Im important little note to put as well is AI itself can't realistically make new content because no. from a fundamental standpoint, they can only recycle content that they're fed and just change up the ordering. This yeah. has been leading to problems in the book industry, especially with a bunch of authors suing... AI creators because they're blatantly taking whole 
books and feeding them into the machines. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, fellas. Uh, do you think that you would agree that um, when it comes to how AI currently is generating content and stuff like that, would you agree that it's not realistic per se because AI is only trying to pretend to be real as opposed to actually being real? Because that's what I've noticed for most AI stuff. Yeah, It can have the illusion of being real, but it, it it's still in such an infancy that it can only do so much. Like, you can still tell. It's like an now. uncanny valley about it. Right. Mm-hmm. But AI does have a problem, too, where uh, if more content becomes AI-created, then the AIs poison each other because they feed each other garbage data. Mm-hmm. But then they all start speaking gibberish. AI starts speaking in tongues. Yep, this was actually... This is actually a problem with Facebook, uh, like, text bots from from years ago. People would make these AI, like, chat bots for Facebook, and they'd start talking to each other and get caught in a loop and just generate this garbage gibberish language. It's becoming incestuous like Alabama. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, God. Incestuous AI. <laughs> Who would have ever thought... George Lucas would have. Godspeed. God bless him. He knew. Mm -hmm. He tried warning us. So that's I what mean, the Phantom uh, Menace was about. Of course. Yeah, no, that's true. Oh my. The Phantom Menace was all about the prediction of AI generation. Uh, it's so clear to me now. Why do you think there's so many Sith that keep popping up out of the shadows? They're all AI generated. <laughs> That's why their names always start with Darth. Darth Generatus. You can't explain to me Jar Jar unless it's AI. He's a CGI marvel. I, I, I refuse to believe that Jar Jar was animated by actual people. He he, he had to have been AI generated. Uh, They're only uh, now publicly coming out with AI info uh, because they've actually had it for decades. He's Maybe Jar Jar is just the, where artificial intelligence meets natural stupidity. <laughs> what if they had a AI generator that only had the mental faculties of Jar Jar I mean I've seen it where someone puts AI generation and then feeds Twitch chat into it until it starts just throwing poggers at the end of every sentence uh oh <laughs> oh no hell. it's the next generation of children oh no Disgusting. Yeah. Well, I mean, kind of going back to the actual strike since we've got a little bit of a tangent. <laughs> um, really, I, I, I guess to address some of the complaints of, oh, the writers should have just written better content, or, oh, the writers should just, you know, suck it up and, and deal with the times, adapt with everything and stuff like that. I, I, I mean... It's not just about the fact of, oh, they're worried about AI replacing them. Oh, they, they, they just, you know, they, they want more money. It's more about just properly being compensated for their work. I, I, I mean, 
like, for example, if like a whole union of plumbers were on strike and someone says, oh, well, I always had shitty plumbers that did a shit job, so I don't care about their cause at all. I think they're just being a bunch of poopy heads. Well, what the fuck? <laughs> and then you like, you know, then you look at the plumbers that they've actually gotten and it's like, oh, I see what's happening here. You're getting assigned a plumber that uh, doesn't actually know plumbing because all of the actual plumbers didn't get paid. Yes. They assigned the intern. Yeah. And then it also doesn't help that uh, one of the things that the Writers Guild were insisting that um, both union and non-union writers uh, refrain from doing is just actually working through the studios on anything. Because right now, the studios are essentially the ones writing the content. And I don't know about you guys, I find the idea of those uh, business executives at the head of studios being the ones that write the content to be a bit of a nightmare, something that leaves me in a cold sweat. Because if I can think of anyone that does not how to make a decent story, it's those people. The only thing that AI really benefits is... I mean, just just you know the, the people high up, the producers. You know oh, what yeah. I mean, if they could just copy and paste everything and make a bunch of money off it, it's good for them, but good for literally no one else. Not good for the workers. Not good for us because it's going to turn into fucking trash eventually, or yeah. sooner, sooner rather than later in most cases. But that's the thing. It, it, yeah. it, I mean, it just makes them more money, and literally that's it. Like, one of the best examples, too, as far as AI making people more money is if you look at the two fields it's primarily being used in right now, which is call centers. They don't have to pay workers mm -hmm. anymore. They just have, like, two workers as opposed to, like, 50 people employed and just have an AI try to f force people to use its little windows until it's like, hold on, let me transfer you to someone. Or... You have what I mentioned earlier with books, where right now if you go on Amazon for their like or Kindle or any sort of those book hosting sites, nine out of ten books are AI written. Jesus. And they're just content flips. They push a button, it generates a two hundred page book, they post it, they get somewhere between ten to a hundred dollars off of it, rinse repeat. It's not good content. It's not good service. It just is. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, again, I mean, like, I can totally see, you know, AI being a good tool for just getting, like, a rough draft all good to go. And then, you know, the subsequent, like, four, five different drafts are touched up by an actual human being that has some semblance of creative input into things. Yeah. You know? No, for but sure. But I can also see plenty of people going, okay, but how can we use this to just outright replace anyone in that position? You know? Yeah, because they'll see it as instead of, okay, the writer now has a new tool that will go, I'm going to throw in my block of plot into this, and it's going to format an act one rough draft of where dialogue should sit. Right. Versus... Alright, what this means now is I could just push this button on this machine and I don't need a writer. Mm-hmm. It's just fucked. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to describe it, like... It's great, I mean, it's, all this AI stuff's really, really cool, but... It's like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh... I mean, the only good thing I could think of is, like... 
it gets to the point where AI art and AI whatever is so common and so used that if something is actually made by a human being, it's actually rare and like thus, you know, priced better. Well, you know I, mean, what I mean, a thing to throw there is a bunch of AI artists have basically they feed the same things into the algorithms so what it's been leading to is the people that they're stealing the content from getting flagged as ai art because the oh ai art was using it as a learning point jesus christ that's the problem because it won't get to a point that ai art will be distinct it'll get to the point that real artists will move away from what ai was doing and the ai artists will then take the new content and feed it into a new algorithm you know, we're just fucked. GG. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Do Do you guys think that in the future we may be seeing like laws enacted regarding like AI generation, like what is allowed for it to prevent like shit getting out of hand and possibly so... even seeing AI not only being used for content creation that would like you know cost people their livelihood. But also just, like, you know, keeping AI from being used for political sort of gain and stuff like that, or... Yeah, so so here's my hot take on it. Um, we're only going to see laws come up once deepfake stuff affects corporations. Oh, yeah. That's right. It. If someone could deepfake an ad... Like, what happened with Twitter when the verifications changed and people pretended to be pharmaceutical companies saying that they were dropping the price of insulin... Mm -hmm. oh, like yeah. that sort of stuff will deal damage that will cause AI regulation to exist but it's going to yeah. get to that point that it will exist before the regulation will come into place yeah and I mean also uh, kind of talking more on the acting end and in this case voice acting end because oh god like, yeah it's one thing if, like, say, you're Michael Keaton trying to, like, do another big suspense drama film or some kind of, you know, uh, historical drama or something like that, and all of a sudden you see this new movie coming out with a trailer and there's a CGI version of you in it. There's the physicality as well as the voice going into it. Voice actors, it's entirely the voice. And if there's one thing that is very much blowing up it's the voice generated ai yep because Look, that I, shit is actually scary how good it's getting i just yesterday i listened to frank snatch frank sinatra sing cruel angel thesis it's fucking wild uh it, it yeah. really is wild yeah no it is i i mean Lately, I, I don't know why people are making this a thing, but um, there's a, a, a voice actress named uh, Sky Bennett. She is mm -hmm. the voice actress of the Xenoblade Chronicles characters Pyra and Mithra. They are also in um, Smash Bros. Yes. Uh, Ultimate as DLC fighters. So she had to make an actual statement on Twitter regarding voice-generated stuff. Because for whatever reason, not only is there a lot of stuff popping up, specifically on Twitter and in, like, Discord and stuff like that, where it's literally her voicing either Pyra and Mithra saying racial slurs. 
And now, you, you might think, oh, that's just all, like, edgy memes and stuff. Well, something you need to take into consideration is that there are voice actors out there that will do, like, Cameo or something like that. That one service where you can pay actors to, like, say certain lines and stuff like that. Or yep. just doing funny little fan projects because they reach out and be like, hey, do you mind if you could, like, voice this... Uh, a character in this fan project that we're doing and stuff like that. It's like one line or two and stuff. So without context and stuff like that, people see that and they're like, oh, so is Sky just okay with doing commissions for saying racial slurs now? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's, this... that's the kind of fucked up shit. Yeah, it puts this ambiguity on that if you don't know you're going to think it's the person. Ugh. And sure, you might be able to do some damage control and, like, you know, clear the air and give some context behind what's going on and say, that's not me. But much like a lot of things that end up on the internet, those things gain traction, and even if you later prove it to be incorrect, there's still going to be those people out there yeah. that will hold that over your head and still believe that that was real. And it gets... And even worse in my eyes if you have one of those instantly identifiable voices yes mm -hmm. where people can't copy your voice if they're not using a software like that i mean it's the same thing with how i'd say it's a little difficult to mimic I, there's some people that do a good job but i mean uh, mark hamill's joker you know that's yeah. a very distinct voice you know, that's, that, that's a voice that's popped up all over the place, set all kinds of different lines. And so, with how so many people have tried mimicking that particular voice and do impressions and stuff like that, if all of a sudden you hear that and it's like almost a perfect match and, you know, it's Joker saying, you know, the, the, the no-no gamer words, I mean, that's a little concerning. So... What you're saying is Joker sending me a message on Twitter telling me to watch SFM movies wasn't real? <laughs> <laughs> oh my, that's a great transition. So, we're gonna we're gonna liven things up a little bit. <laughs> the last thing I heard the Joker in uh, was uh, something about low punny. <laughs> oh no. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um yeah, so our 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 uh recommendation film uh we're gonna get to in a little bit but as a talking point that has to deal with our recommendation film is a little program called source filmmaker or sfm now for those who don't know what it is it is a thing of software animation software to be precise that has been used and available for free for anyone that has a um steam account uh, it's been used for, like, I want to say well over a decade, and it's basically been the workhorse for a lot of, uh, people who make funny little 3D animations online. Now, obviously, Blender is another one, but SFM is, I would say, the more approachable and popular choice, because it is just such an easy program to use. It It's also worth mentioning as far as why it's an approachable thing and that's because you have access to content from gary's mod which is you know counter you basically have access to counter-strike um half-life and team fortress models yes 
So you have a model oh, uh, library uh, from the get-go. Uh, I, I think Left for Dead, too? Yeah, Left for Dead as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically a lot of Valve-made <laughs> video games. And stuff like that. There is a new source filmmaker, but uh, it's still kind of ironing out its kinks. Yeah. And to be fair, uh, SFM, the, the original one, has its kinks. I remember hearing from a lot of people who use it, uh, sometimes religiously. Uh, its lighting generation could be better, because it doesn't really have what, say, Blender or Maya has where you can just generate actual light sources. Uh, SFM, you have to, like, use actual um, in-game world uh, assets in order to light subjects and stuff like that. Which, hey, I mean, another way of, like, testing how creative people are, there you go, using, like, a sun generator and, like, having it from a distance so that you can light the subject and stuff like that. That's pretty cool. Um... And frankly, again, it's just so easy to use. Like, there was actually a time where I was considering using SFM, and I put aside, like, about an hour and a half before I had to go to work, uh-huh. and hour and a half later, I'm like, I feel like I could potentially start animating something. Now, of course, my laptop that I've had since, like, 2015 is really starting to show its age because of everything that I work with. And how a lot of the stuff, especially with my video-related things, um, yeah, working with 4K uh, camera footage on a 2015 MacBook Pro is is a little um, a little jarring when you go to that. But I mean, if I have a faster one, I could probably pump out a decent amount on SFM. And I the thing you, is, as long you. as you follow the tutorials, I think anyone can. Anyone yeah. that has the patience and the creativity. It's worth a try, and that's the beauty of it. You can make meme videos, you can make short films, or, in the case of our recommendation film, you can make a whole feature-length film. It'll take a while. Yep. It's probably very difficult to do that, just with all the planning and the file archiving, but... So, you know, Ian, if I'm picking up what you're putting down properly, SFM podcast episode went... <laughs> where we just talk about sfm content no no where it's a video in sfm oh oh (laughs) that'd be funny that would be really really fun i'm gonna try commissioning an sfm animator to animate our voices to team fortress 2 characters (laughs) do it i fucking dare you (laughs) it'll be the first video Uh... podcast and it's us in sfm it's perfect Oh, shit, I can talk to Cake Station about it. He was on the podcast, like, a couple months ago, actually. <laughs> I can talk to him about doing it. Perfect. You could. Uh, which, speaking of Cake Station, I think it's a good time to at least go into either particular SFM content creators or particular SFM, you know, creations that we have distinct liking towards and stuff like that. Either memories or, like... You know, stuff like that. Obviously, when I came across Cake Station stuff, I was blown away because SFM up until that point, I thought was just mainly for, like, comedic videos and not necessarily action-oriented ones. But then I come across Cake Station where he's, like, making shit straight out of Ruby, which, as he explained in the podcast episode that we did, was his intention. I was blown away. And quickly became a big fan of that. 
I remember as a kid watching all the uh, Anani Moose videos. Oh, <laughs> yeah. The uh, the classic meme SFM videos. Mm-hmm. I mean, even just like the the originators, you know, like the meet the meet the teams for Team Fortress, you know. Oh yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. That's also a important thing to uh, mention. I uh, remember coming across this. Uh, SFM is the software that Valve used to animate the. Uh, promotional videos for Team Fortress 2, which was, you know, meet the heavy, meet, you know, the engineer, meet the spy, and stuff like that. And, I mean, those videos are fondly, fondly remembered and lauded for how they just build the world of Team Fortress 2. Uh, they're just very comedic and very rewatchable. And another case of just, like, why people love that whole... Um, franchise and it established this like character behind them that mm -hmm. every single person who made videos going forwards they keep the sort of character that they put into these uh uh intro videos for each uh class essentially yeah i think the ones i in terms of like just fan made stuff the one of my favorites is uh anonymous Yes. He's got a bunch yeah. of funny uh, SFMs. My personal favorite is probably Rule Breaker. Uh, I highly recommend good. watching it, but it's, 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 it's just fun seeing people just take this thing that Valve essentially gave free with Steve and just do whatever really whatever the hell they want with it. It's kind of yeah. cool to see, you know? I know for like some, stu like some more comedic SFM stuff, Sino Zero has the, uh, the Pudis ones, mm -hmm. where... It has a surprisingly well done fight scene in kin to like Street Fighter or a fighting game and actually has the models mimic actual moves from a fighting game. And there was also other things SFM was used for. Uh yeah, I think it's uh unfortunately it's worth mentioning that uh with a program that is very approachable and easy to use by a good number of people. Um, porn is, in fact, a, a popular thing that it is used for, because it's free and easy to use. <laughs> and let's also mention that, of course, while Source Filmmaker, out of the box, or rather straight from the download, has a bunch of character models from different Valve games... The Steam community behind Source Filmmaker and how people are able to import character models of other characters from other games and other universes and stuff like that, you have a lot of creativity to work with because you can also make fan films and all that with, like, these characters. However, that also means that um, Sonic can go digging for uh, Master Chief's Halo, if you know what I mean. Shit's wild. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> is is what happens. I, it's all it's all because of the uh, the scout. It's just because canonically he's God's gift to women. That's why they're drawn into this. Indeed, naturally. I love that. That's actual canon too. Team Fortress canon's wild. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I I tried reading up on it, and I'm like, well, oh, because <laughs> I think it's worth mentioning, especially for our. Um, a recommended film, I actually don't know a whole lot about Team Fortress 2 aside from the different class names. Yes, because one of the things to note 
for part of this movie that makes it make a lot more sense. In the game, the respawn mechanic is explained as something that the medic kind of helped develop. In the comic series, they reveal that he kind of sold everyone's souls to the devil. And that's how he oh. keeps bringing them back. <laughs> yeah, no, that, this, this, this multiplayer game that's only multiplayer has a story, ladies and gentlemen. It's pretty freaking wacky. Yeah, it kind of sounds like it. Oh my god. <laughs> and one of the people oh, whose wow. souls he sold was handcrafted by God. Which Neat. is the scout. It's It's wild. It's it's pretty Wonderful. nutty. Um, Wonderful. But we're about to talk about Emesis Blue. Yes. It, yeah, so yeah, some people take the SFM and make, you know, like we were saying earlier, cute little shorts, make funny shorts, make even horror shorts. Then the, you've got the madman who say, hey, I feel like to make a feature-length film. And then just does it. Absolute fucking madman. The guys who made this yeah. film being Fortress Films. And exactly. <laughs> voice acting and everything, ladies and gentlemen. This is the this is the real deal. This could be considered like an actual independent like fan film and stuff like that. They it's absolutely free on YouTube. These these madmen know no bound bounds. They aren't bound by rules of mortality. They did this because they wanted to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> fucking wild it's hour 48 minutes long yeah and uh if the people involved with working on this movie have any plans on like trying to crack into the larger animation industry uh no joke this is resume and portfolio worthy this is actually like a surprisingly good completely free to watch like movie it has an IMDb page. It does. An interesting <laughs> thing to note, this is the director and writer's only work on their IMDb page. Good start. Uh, yeah, not a bad start. <laughs> I wasn't sure if they were planning on making anything else, but I, I recommend it. For, for anyone who's curious, the director's name is Chad Payne, as per IMDb. Mm-hmm. Chad Payne. To to quote marvelous to quote a specific AI movie, um, I will look forward to your career with great interest. (laughs) 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 Okay, so how do we how do we even start with this movie, gentlemen? Like, uh, so I guess general thoughts, like what 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 did we think of it? Uh, Harrison, did you want to start? Yeah, I'll say I enjoyed it. It's one of those movies that's confusing at first and requires mm-hmm. you to know a bit about the actual war of it. But mm. once it, the ball gets rolling and pieces get put into place, it makes a lot more sense. There is an entire unexplained plot line about time travel. They don't really yeah. touch on it very much, and it kind of hints that that's how they're making the respawn work, but they don't explicitly say it. Yeah, so general thoughts, and all these general thoughts have to be put in a context for me. I thought this film was fucking fantastic. 
just based on the sheer fact it was made in SFM for f- yeah. free on YouTube. Yeah. Though I don't and want that to diminish how amazing I still think it actually is, period. Yes. And there's an entire voice acting cast of six people. Mm-hmm. Important to note, there is a lot more than six characters in this movie. Yeah. Yes. Um, I was blown away by this free little movie that was made in SFM. Um, wow. So, not even just with the animation, like, actually being good for, you know, people working for free, essentially. Um, I just thought that the story itself was still very gripping. Like, to give some context, this is essentially like, at least especially when it starts out, it's it's a murder mystery with some supernatural slash psychological thriller kind of vibes to it. And it just grabbed me, <laughs> you know? Because mm-hmm. originally I was thinking about chunking it out and, and like uh, watching it in bits, but as it got me, I'm like, oh, what time is it now? One in the morning? Ah, uh, there's a half hour left. What the yeah. hell? <laughs> yeah, dude, I made a mistake. We're watching it late at night. I'm like, oh, fuck. Trying to go to bed just thinking about it. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing. Maybe don't watch it late at night because, ooh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All uh, right. Okay, I think we yeah. can start talking about specifics. In terms of yes. what I really liked about this movie, it. I just don't get it. I just don't fucking get it. How does a small-time movie like this do horror and psychic thriller so much better than, like, you know, triple-A big blockbuster film, horror films. Yeah, because I actually, I I myself love indie horror, so mm-hmm. my kind of take on why it tends to be this way is sort of a, it's both like a survival of the fittest, where the best horror and indie horror tends to be the ones that surface, or the most marketable, i.e. FNAF. Um, yeah. Or what you tend to get is the people who go into it are very passionate about it. They know that they're not going to make money off this. It is entirely a passion project. I think it shows. Yeah? No, it really does show. There is uh, amazing shot composition for this. Oh, yeah. And again, just the lighting work that they did with it. I think that was the thing that impressed me because the thing is... Going into watching this, I knew somewhat of a lot of the big, like, limitations that Source Filmmaker has compared to, like, actual, you know, paid animation software uh, goes for, you know? And to see not just shot composition, but just the lighting and stuff like that, how they lit their subjects and whatnot, some of it looks a little off, but again... I saw that more as like a limitation with uh, Source Filmmaker, and just the fact that they were still able to do so much is what surprised me, and kind of makes me wonder if maybe they have like a, a making of Emesis Blue or something like that, so I can kind of see what they did, because I'm legitimately curious. Yeah, it's sort of, uh, something speaking of like, it just does a really good job holding tension and not, not never really letting it go. Right. I mean, shit. It's just, it's just wild, man. All right. So, Ian, I just checked for you. The Whoa. YouTube channel has 
three videos. One of them is Emesis Blue. Uh-huh. One of them is a fake commercial for the Emesis Pharmaceuticals. And the last is from four years ago with an SFM movie called Spies Disguised. There's nothing else. They're uh, they're taking the Daft Punk route where it's just like, we'll have stuff out when it's out. Yeah. Or they're being as mysterious as the videos they make. Oh, that's true. Oh. Going just kind of barging doing that something. Voice acting for the most, for... it's okay. It's serviceable. Yeah, it's I was going to say parts. that that's my own like uh, my only like big knock against it. Uh, it's just the fact that like obviously the voice actors being used are just people online. Which I mean, to be fair, to be fair, if there's one thing that's blown up within the last couple of years, it's uh, online voice actors doing all kinds of commissioned stuff and doing fan projects and whatnot. So, it's not, like, bad by any means. It's actually very good, and it... For the most part, which each of these characters that I remember from, like, the Meet the Spy, Meet the Engineer, all those videos, um, they capture the characters decently enough. Obviously, some better than others. Uh, for example, the Mad Lad voicing Scout. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Thought that was the actual voice actor. <laughs> <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> no, he does uh, really, really but, well. Um, I thought the, the only major one where I'm like, ooh, I think, you know, thinking to myself, I think maybe they should have tried finding somebody else was uh the guy voicing um the heavy because personally to me he he just wasn't quite quite there with getting his like vocal mannerisms and stuff like that no i get you it's worth mentioning though the the heavy was voiced by the guy who made this he didn't okay he didn't hire a voice actor for it that just was him oh he also was Cyclops, the dude with the eye patch as well. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah, but I mean, my my expectations, I, I didn't know what to expect. And so compared to like a big budget movie that would be released in theaters, um, my expectations, uh, suffice to say, were um, not the highest, but I was definitely surprised because of that. And overall, the voice acting is serviceable. I mean, I can listen to it. The audio quality isn't terrible. In fact, I was actually kind of impressed by some of the sound design and stuff like that, because I thought it, would, it very much helped build the atmosphere in the, uh, in the, in the movie. Yeah, I mean, look, this, this movie was probably done on a budget of a fucking ham sandwich. And any faults I have with it are just mostly because of that. You know? I mean, I can't mm-hmm. really complain. It's confusing. That's that's kind of the fucking point. Right. Um, essentially, what they did with this film is they, they took Jacob's Ladder and decided, okay, how, how do we put this in Team Fortress, you know? Yeah, that's true. And um, another thing I, I, I noticed, besides, like, the, the uh, more... Uh, I, I, I want to say it obvious... Jacob's Ladder uh, influences. There's there's this short story because the the, line, the major line in the movie is it's longer than you think and it's eternity in there, 
I'm like, motherfucker, that sounds familiar. I feel like I've heard that somewhere before, you know? And I, I was looking up that line, and it's it's from a Stephen King a short story called The Jot. And the whole idea of The Jot is essentially it's far in the future. We discovered how to teleport in between uh, Earth, Mars, and whatever, you know? People just teleport every inst- everywhere instantly. And the thing about this teleportation, this, this jaunt, is that they, they put you to sleep for it. And you have to go to sleep before you go in, in, in between. Because the one time they did, they, you know, they, they tried, you know, sending someone through while they were awake. The only thing he said is eternity in there, and it's longer than you think, and he went crazy. And so whole short story is about this family doing so, and, you know, going doing this jaunt. And the child, the son, decides to hold his breath when they go through with, with the uh, knockout gas. And so he goes through this jaunt, and it turns out it's literally an eternity of waiting between these two points of time, and it drives him insane. So I think that's a major part of it. It's kind of like this theme with the respawn machine. is like, yeah, they seem to come back instantly, but the time for them in between dying and respawning is eternity. And yeah. they, 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 <laughs> they, take, they take that emesis blue, you know, this, this you know, disguises Valium. You know, because it helps ease, it erases their memory of that eternity. So it's it's just it's cool. Yeah, it's it's a cool. Oh, it, it's just so sure. fucking weird. It's so cool. It's. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I don't know what else to say. It's just it's cool. It's I've good. seen it yeah. in a game before where they actually had a similar concept for how their mm-hmm. train system worked. Oh really. Yeah, it was in, uh, like, Library of Runa, where they have these warp trains. And the VIP guests are put, uh, essentially, cryo-frozen, and the train gets to its destination in six seconds. Mm -hmm. For the passengers on board, it is not six seconds. It's anywhere from five to three thousand years before you arrive. Jesus Christ. And once you arrive... During the travel, you also can't die at all, um, because you're basically in a parallel dimension. Then they just have a crew come in, sweep everything up, and rebuild the people who kind of got annihilated during all of that. Fuck. And wipe their minds, and then set them loose. (laughs) Wow. And I'm I'm just reminded of that with how the respawn thing is set up for this, because they're kind of doing the same thing to them. Which is super fucked. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I think the film does an overall good job. Because like I said, it, like Harrison was saying, it, it's, it's very confusing in the beginning. I, And as it goes on, I think it does a pretty decent job of explaining what's happening. And yeah. while it would definitely help to know the lore of the game, I don't think it's 100% necessary. Yeah, I mean, I, I was watching this, and I was surprised by, like, how easy it was to just pick up everything, even though I am not well-versed in Team Fortress yeah. 2 lore. Because, I mean, realistically, all you need to know about Team Fortress is that it's just about two companies that abbreviate to red and blue that went to war against each other. Mm-hmm. That's right. pretty much all you need to know going into this movie. I mean, it's a lot like how when you jump into any one of the side stories in Gundam, the only thing you need to know is Earth Federation versus Zeon, yeah. Zaku versus at least one Gundam. Yes, you just need to know the concept of what a Gundam is. Yeah. Yes. 
As well as just understand that one of them's trying to fight for independence and the other's like, no. I mean, yeah, I mean... <laughs> that's, that's a very <laughs> gross oversimplification of Gundam, but you know, you, you get the idea. You get mm -hmm. the idea. Mm -hmm. Robot samurai fighting one-eyed psycho. Uh, next. Yeah, That's exactly. It. Boom. You know, you can you can go to any gun in the house. We'll come for this. Indeed. Go at it. Have fun. Hashtag sixty on. Just just throwing it out there. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Zeon did nothing wrong. Nothing. Nothing wrong. They did, Earth deserved the space colony. Uh, <laughs> 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 anyway, I'm, Anywho. I'm, yes. Sorry. Uh... Uh, Sam's in the middle of uh, building a master grade uh, Gundam kit right now. It's uh, it's the goof. He's kind of having uh, Zeon on the brain. I mean, I also yeah. do because I uh, he got me a little master grade recently, and I'm like, ooh. I have a bookshelf <laughs> and five five Gunplus up there, and all of them are Zaki's or goofs. Yes. So I'm a little now, bit. Now, are you going to get multiple goofs so that you have a goof troop? Uh, yes, I actually have a 144 goof, and I'm building that masquerade goof. I have a goof troop. And they always stick together. If I were to do stop oh. motion, I would call it the Goofy Movie 3. Yeah! 6E on edition. Yeah! But, but anyway, look, I'm just going to keep repeating myself. Watch this fucking movie. It's yeah. it's literally it's free. free. You go to YouTube, you type in Emesis Blue, it's going to be one of the first ones on there. Watch this shit. It is, if you want something, I mean, going into it, though, well, you know... It's a psychological thriller. It's a horror. Know what you're getting into. It don't why unless you want to be scared. Don't watch it when you're just about to go to bed. But unless you, yeah, if you're into it, you're into it. But I recommend everyone check it out. It's just mm -hmm. support the little guy, you know. Yeah, it, it, it deserves recognition. I'm glad my twin just discovered it one night and said, "Hey, Sam, watch this shit." Indeed. How do I tell Sam that he's the clone? Uh oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, my twin and I don't talk about what happened in the world with the triplet. Okay? Oh, no. <laughs> Someone had to be sacrificed to the Eternians in there. Our mother uh, slumbered longer than she should have. We grew hungry. And one had to go. Well, it's just a simple realization that my twin were awake the entire time. Oh, no. Uh, it's so, uh, nine months uh, for you, but it's a lot longer than you think. <laughs> yes. So, Ian, yes. Uh, where are yes. we as far as recommendations go? Oh, uh, well, I have one. Uh, it's right. my turn to put one down. Hit us up, uh, man. Before I go into that, I would like to say that I also recommend Emesis Blue because it's free, it's just under two hours, and I think it is a fantastic example of what you can do in SFM. And with a little bit of imagination. Yeah. There is a lot to choose from when it comes to SFM content, and there is plenty of people that use it differently, as well as for um, other purposes. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know what? This is one of the ones where I say definitely watch it. And if I can recommend other content creators that show what is possible in SFM, and really make some good content that is kind of unrivaled in what they do. Uh, Mirabo Studios, who you may know from the uh, viral clip of Pyra doing a backflip, and Cake Station for his many, many, many stylishly choreographed fight scenes that he does. Mm -hmm. 
which isn't just relegated to anime-esque ones. No, 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 no. He also has one where my favorite clone trooper, Captain Fordo, absolutely destroys a whole battalion of clankers. Battle droids. Oh, mm-hmm. no. And it's a sight to behold. Oh, my God. That's what I have to say. Harrison, what do you have to say regarding Emesis Blue? I liked it. It was uh, it's an interesting thing with how they have it set up. As far as the time shenanigans go, it's plot consistent. That's what I really like is that a lot of times people use time travel and it turns into a mess, but it's consistent in how they use it. Yeah, I think the film really rewards you for paying attention, which is a nice little detail too. Absolutely. Watch that shit. But Ian, what's your recommendation? How are you going to follow up this SFM masterpiece? (laughs) Well, I've had a history of recommending movies, uh, whether it be the Hulk, and to some extent, like, little character-driven dramas, like A River Runs Through It, where you have to wonder, could this be made nowadays, just with the whole industry of films and stuff like that? Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, it's an animated film. Okay. It's also an animated film that technically comes from Japan originally, but oh my god, the localization on it butchered whatever kind of creative spark and artistry was in those original ones, which, to be fair, whether or not there was a whole lot there to begin with, who's to say, given the franchise that it's based on, but I am recommending a movie that is not only a time capsule of the year Y2K, but also a clear indication of how different the anime scene was back then compared to now. Because, ladies and gentlemen, I don't think you could make a movie like Digimon the Movie nowadays. Yes! Oh my fucking God. I've been looking for an excuse to rewatch this, Ian. You don't know how great this is for me. I haven't. I've never seen it. Okay, until last summer, I also never had seen it. I remember seeing trailers when I was in theaters, but I never saw it until last summer. And I don't have many guilty pleasure movies. I have maybe a handful, but this one I think is my absolute favorite guilty pleasure movie now. Because every time I have watched it since, I always have fun, and I am always cackling by just how bizarre it is not in terms of just like you know strange surrealism no just how it's constructed and of course i'll go into detail why but oh my god i don't think we are ever going to see something like digimon the movie ever again for better or for worse that we will find out indeed on our next exciting episode of dragon ball z Yee, no, sorry, well, copyright, 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 cut, 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 cut. <laughs> Inside a moment, bye. Bye!